you want to be happier? Do you ever wish you could just stop your endless thinking and rumination about things? And are there times when you feel connected and at one with the universe and then the internal chatter, anxiety and planning bits of your brain just takes over and the moment is ruined? Yep, happens to me all the time. Now, many of us spend so much time reliving the past or pre-living the future and worrying about what might happen that we completely miss out on what's happening now. It's not our fault. Our conditioning, our training and the way in which we live have meant that we rely on our logistical, egocentric left brain, which keeps us stuck in time and stuck in self-protection with a focus on minimising threat rather than maximising connection and creativity. But what if we didn't have to accept that this is the way in which our brains work? What if there was a simple alternative to all this striving and worry? This week, Giles Peacroft is back on the podcast to discuss his recent bizarre experience when he had a TIA which caused his left brain to stop functioning properly and propelled him to a state where he could access his right brain without hindrance from the left side. Rather like Jill Balty Taylor describes in her viral TED talk, he experienced what it was like to feel totally connected and free from worry by existing purely in the here and now. We talk about how our thinking left brain or ego so often gets in the way of us being able to stay in the present moment where things are generally okay. And we also discuss some very simple ways of getting reacquainted with our right brain. So listen to this episode if you want to find out just what happens when the left brain is taken offline for a while and why this experience can be so powerful. The reasons why our left brain has evolved and dominates our thinking so much and find out some simple steps that you can take straight away to get more connected with your right brain so that you could stay in the present moment and feel happy, calm and connected. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals in high-stress, high-stakes jobs. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris, a former GP, now working as a coach, trainer and speaker. Like frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, many of us don't notice how bad the stress and exhaustion have become until it's too late. But you are not a frog. Burning out or getting out are not your only options. In this podcast, I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts and inviting you to make a deliberate choice about how you will live and work so that you can beat stress and work happier. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. Hi, um, I'm Giles P. Croft. Um, I'm a coach and trainer. In a former life, I was a I was an NHS surgeon. Um, I left many years ago and pursued all sorts of exciting uh, alternative careers. And in doing so, um, really got to grips with the human experience. And, and that's what I share with people these days, helping them to 
really see deeply how they're experiencing the world and who they really are. Wow. Who they really are. We've got deep already, haven't we, Charles? <laughs> who are you really? Um, it's, the, it's, it's the question to ask. It is the question, isn't it? But anyway, it's mm. really great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for coming back. And you've been on. Thanks. You've been on before. Have I got the, have I got the record yet? I think you almost have. There might be a couple of people. You're, you're nudging oh, up there. I know yeah. we talked about alcohol before. We've talked about stress a few we times. Have. And I know that whenever you're on, Giles, you're always quite thought-provoking, maybe slightly controversial. And um, I like the take that you have on stuff. It really has made me think differently. And um, you were well overdue coming back. But I think between the time when I last spoke to you, you've had something quite significant happen to you, haven't you? Yes, indeed. Uh, so on the on the fourth of July uh, last year, um, I had a TIA uh, completely out of the blue um, with absolutely no risk factors whatsoever. Gosh, and for the, so yeah, that was a bit of a shock for the non medical listeners. TIA, Sorry, transient ischemic attack, right? Ex exactly, a mini stroke, a mini stroke. So it, it's it's all the symptoms of a stroke, but then. Um, because it's as a result of a blood clot that then clears itself. Um, all the symptoms had completely resolved. Yeah, in sort of, well, 24 hours later, I was, I was back to normal, as normal as, as I'll ever be. So what actually happened at the time? I, I woke up with it. I woke up and as I so often do, I picked up my phone. And I was scrolling through my uh, my RSS feed, how I get all my news, and um, it wasn't making any sense to me. I was seeing words, and and I remember quite distinctly um, reading uh, one particular article and having the thought, I should really care about this. This is something that I really want to read, and and like opening the article and looking at it and just 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 like having absolutely no interest in it whatsoever because it just didn't make any sense to me. And so anyway, um, I went, <laughs> went back to sleep, um, and, and, and then got up and it wasn't really until I went downstairs and, and when I opened my mouth, a whole load of gobbledygook came out even more than usual, Rachel, <laughs> before you say it. <laughs> I was just about to get in there with that. <laughs> Sorry for stealing your thunder there. Yeah, um, it's kind of like word salad came out of my mouth and it was a real shock and <laughs> to both me and my wife. And every time I opened my mouth, I, I knew what I wanted to say, but the, the, the words came out all wrong. It was, it, was, it was weird. It was like real words squ squashed together. And this obviously shocked um, us both considerably. I asked my wife last night, I was like, I've got to go on a podcast and talk about this. I can't really remember a great deal about it, but you know, how, 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 how was it for you, baby? And, um, she, she's like, well, you know, obviously it was a, it was a worry. It, she said, it was also very frustrating. She said, because you were, you weren't taking it seriously. <laughs> she said, you just kept saying, well, let, let, let's just, you know, let's see how it, let's see how it goes coincidentally i was i was due to and you couldn't make this up i was due to meet my my oldest buddy from medical school who i hadn't seen for a while and she's still um an a and e doctor <laughs> and it was it was her day off so i thought well i've got to i've got to phone her 
so I phoned her and left a message because she, she didn't answer. And she phoned back not long after. And in talking to me, she was like, um, I think you're having a stroke. <laughs> can you get, can you get Ginevra, my wife, to, um, drive you to, to A&E where I work? And, um, I think it's really important that you get there as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, off I went to, to A&E. Um, the, again, the symptoms were an in, 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 inability to really comprehend language all that well. It was really hard to, to do the simplest of, of tasks. It was really hard to answer questions from my wife. Uh, it took incredible amounts of effort to do that. Um, I had lost my right peripheral vision. It's not that it wasn't there. It's just that it, it was mush. So that was, that was another symptom. Um, and then the, the, the speech thing, no other, no other like, uh, mechanical symptoms really. So they, you know, they kept a close eye. I was scanned from head to toe. Um, they didn't find any particular cause or anything. And as the day went by, it slowly but surely improved. And then by the next morning, you know, woke up and everything was completely back to normal. So it was quite the adventure. Gosh, yeah. And what a worrying thing to happen. And I'm just going to check because obviously lots of medics listen, listening to this. You've had your yeah. scans. You're on aspirin, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on cloppy dog all night. Okay, yeah. good. So you're on stuff. It's not going to happen to you again. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously something was happening in your left brain, affecting your right vision, affecting your yeah. speech and all that sort of thing. And I'm really yeah. interested in the fact that you appeared not to be taking it that seriously. I mean, <laughs> yeah. How, are, how yeah. are you actually feeling at the time then? So it, it was it was fascinating. And I mean, I mean, for those for those of you who who don't know the work I do, I spend a lot of my time it seemingly. Um, dissing the left brain, <laughs> dissing the analytical brain, and encouraging people to 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 live more from their right brain consciousness. That I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll get onto shortly. In terms of how I was feeling, I would be aware of worrisome thoughts, but even more than usual. And I, I'm I, I mean I'm I'm pretty self aware about worrying thought when it comes up these days. But even more than than normal. It was, there was a, almost like a detached kind of what, what an utterly pointless thought to have. What a, you know, every time I, w I was sat there in a chair in a corridor, like waiting for an MRI scan or something on my own, given what was going on, you, you'd think there would be a lot of worry, but there wasn't much at all. And then every now and again, it would be like the, my left brain would sort of drag itself, <laughs> drag itself back and, and go, and go, what about, what about the rest of your life? And, and it was so obvious that that was just, you know, just an output of the computer mind doing doing what it does just you know trying to make trying to make sense of things so it was even easier than normal <laughs> to be pretty present to it all i was kind of like taking in what was going on around me yeah it was just sort of took it took it one moment at a time that is really fascinating so it's about a bit like revenge of the left brain your left brain saying well you keep telling people that I'm not important. Yeah. So shall I just yeah, yeah, show yeah. you yeah, yeah. that actually we do have quite an important function here? 
the left, the left cortex and the left amygdala and stuff like yeah. that. But I guess your main message and what I'm increasingly realising is that we just let it dominate, don't we? We do. We've got so used to living in it and living from it um, that we've lost sight of the fact that there is something much, much bigger um, that underpins, surrounds all in, something all encompassing of which that left brain output is a teeny, teeny, tiny little part of, uh, of that experience. And yet, because it's, because it's so insistent and of course it's, you know, it's got all our stuff in it, hasn't it? You know, it's got all of our experience. It's got all of our, all of our memory. It knows, it knows all the right buttons to press and everything, but you know, it's just, it's just doing its job. It doesn't even know, it doesn't, it doesn't know there's anything outside of it. So it thinks it's the boss. Mm -hmm. That that's, that's the key is that it thinks it's the boss. It thinks it's what's looking after you, what's keeping you safe. Mm -hmm. When it, it's just this little computer thing, you know, with a data in data out model, it's just running its little algorithms and going, Oh, 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 I know, I know, I know what's going on. And it's like, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just fascinating, isn't it? So what I have realized you know, over the years and also by hearing your story. And I went back to listen to Jill Bolte-Taylor's story as well. So mm. for those um, people that haven't come across Jill Bolte-Taylor, go and Google her TED Talk. It's called A Stroke of Insight. I think it's like the second most listened to TED Talk ever. Mm. And she was a neuroanatomist who ended up having a left brain stroke, which completely took out almost the whole of her left hemisphere, actually. And so mm. she was just left with the right brain. And she described something quite similar to you, Giles, but it was a bit more extreme, wasn't it? So she wouldn't have even been able to read, let alone realize that she she wasn't taking the words in and then it took her eight years to rehabilitate from from that stroke and she's now fully functioning but realized exactly what it was that her right brain gave her and mm -hmm. what the right brain gave her was this sense of presence so the right brain only knows the present moment doesn't it and mm. it is able to think much much more creatively it responds to um connection and what she said when she had her stroke that she found it very difficult to work out where she finished and where the rest of the world started mm. and so she just felt like she was part of this great big thing the interesting thing um i heard on a, a podcast i've heard with her recently is she said that she also didn't really have any memory of who people were and what they'd done to her in the past so she couldn't be hacked off with anyone because yeah. you know Firstly, she didn't really know who her mum was, which was sad, but then she couldn't be cross with her mum for doing anything because she couldn't remember that. And she hadn't um, tied those negative emotions to things that her mother had done. So the right brain doesn't really have a, a sense of, of timing, doesn't it? It's very much just in the present, whereas the left brain, we are always looking forwards, we're looking back, and the left amygdala is constantly scanning for threats. What is going to stop us living, essentially? And is someone going to threaten us? Are they not? And consequently, we problem solve. And we, I think medics tend to incredible amount, but I think most of us in our society now have overdeveloped this, this left brain. So we think we can yeah. think our way out of problems that actually originate with feelings. So you're trying to solve the wrong problem with the wrong solution or just on a completely different level now. Is that, is that a reasonable summary? Is there anything you would add to that? Any inconsistencies? 
I don't know if you've come across Ian, Ian McGilchrist's work at all. The, oh, the master the, in his so, emissary. Yeah, yeah, because that's, I mean, and it's an absolute, it's the, I think it's probably the biggest, other than my ICD-10 I've got here, it's, um, I think it's the biggest book I own. For listeners, rather than, rather than subjecting yourself to something like a 24 hour long audio book, um, there's a, there's a, there's an hour and 20 minute, um, a documentary video version of the master and his emissary called uh, the divided brain if you go to the divided brain.com i think you have to either rent it or buy it off vimeo but it really summarizes the book um, perfectly and there's there's a there's a line in that documentary where ian mcgilchrist is um, with a, um, I think it's a drama group or something, and the guy who's running the drama group asks him, would you summarise the difference between the left and the right hemispheric experiences? And the guy says, he says, um, what I like about it is that this, that this, this right hemispheric consciousness that we're talking about, he says it's not necessarily knowable. And Ian Gilchrist jumps in straight away and he says it's, it's more than that. He says, it's necessarily not knowable. <laughs> like, oh my word, because you and I, you know, we can, we can talk about it until the cows come home, but we can only use the tools of the left brain to try and describe something that, that, that is, is not it. So this right brain consciousness, it's more real than reality in, in, in some ways, you know, it's, and it's why McGilchrist calls his book the master and, and his emissaries, because the right brain's the master. The right brain knows all, it sees all, it's, it's connected to the oneness of life. It's the source of creativity and insight and all the good stuff. But it can't get involved in the process of separation of objects. So it farms all of that stuff out to the left brain. And the left brain does all of its dividing. I mean, that, that, the thing about the Jewel Balty Taylor story, when she says, you know, she was slumped against the wall and she couldn't tell where her arm ended and where the wall began. That's because the left brain creates a very helpful illusion of separation for us. You know, it's, inc it's incredibly helpful as I discovered on that fateful day when it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop slagging off the left brain <laughs> quite as much as I do because boy, can you not do without it? You know, you really, you really can't do without it. But yeah, as you, as you said, it's, it's, it's the fact that we've, we've completely lost sight of our, of our, of our right brain consciousness when it, it's, 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 it's a lot closer to who we are than what the left brain tells us, which is all essentially made up. Mm. Wow, that's a really good explanation of it. So I've just written down here, the left brain is a little bit like the sort of assistant, the admin assistant to the right brain. Yeah. But it's when the left brain starts thinking that it's little ways of doing things and, and what it thinks is right or what other people have told them it's right. That is, that is the thing. It thinks it's the whole. Yeah. It, the left brain thinks it's the mm -hmm. whole. 
because mm-hmm. it, it can't ever know anything. I don't know if you've read any of Eckhart Tolle's stuff, the, the, the Power of Now, and, and, and he says the mind, and, you know, because we, we, there's just a whole load of metaphors and synonyms we've got here, but you can, you know, you can call the left brain the mind or our personal Is thinking. Is it the ego? Or the chimp Do you call or it the ego? Or the ego. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes an enemy of the present moment because it's almost like the present moment, our uh, our right brain consciousness almost by definition is the absence of ego. It's the absence of personal thinking. Mm. It's the absence of analysis. It is just experiencing life as it is here and now without any of the labeling going on that the left brain does of right and wrong and good and bad and all that malarkey. So is that why meditation and all those sorts of things are so helpful for us because it helps us get rid of the ego and the thinking and stuff and helps us stay more present to that that right brain yeah absolutely it's why people meditate it's why people meditate it's kind of almost sort of like brute forcing your way into it and it's why you know, meditation, it, some people like it and other people abhor it. I mean, between you and me, I just can't be bothered meditating. It's like, well, it's just like, but I would say I, 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 I live in a largely meditative state, I suppose. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between having a meditation practice mm-hmm. and living meditatively is, is what I'm trying to say, I think. You know, because for, for me, the awareness of how it all works is, is enough. I mean, what what else do you need? What, why, would, why would I need to sit in a dark room um, trying to let go of my thoughts when, when I can just be more aware? It's like, well, yeah, that's a load of nonsense from the left brain, isn't it? I don't need to take any of that seriously and just get on with my life and not sit quietly for however long I'm supposed to sit quietly for. <laughs> Crack on with my life. Gosh, well, Giles, I mean, I think, I think you obviously cracked it. Lesser mortals like me need a little bit of practice at that whole meditation <coughs> thing. It's interesting. I'm doing an MBSR course, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction course. And... Um, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting, and, and they do talk about it as a practice. So we've got to do like mm. 40 minutes of meditation a day for the mm. next eight weeks, and you start off with a body scan, and then and then you move on. And the whole point of it, and actually we've been looking looking up the uh, the literature about that, and does it work, and all that sort of stuff. And there's no doubt that MBSR works, but actually any mm. meditative practice for longer than about 25 minutes a day works because what you're doing is you're practicing those those neural networks rewiring to be able to get into that right brain and be, be less reactive. So it's great if, if you're someone that can just do that. But I think for some of us, for some of us, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a skill, but I think even recognizing the, the thoughts and the patterns, I I was away with a bunch of people and someone said to me, we were on a retreat, we were talking about mindset and all, all that. And somebody said to me, um, I don't understand. Can you, can you explain what you mean when you say our thoughts aren't true? or our thoughts aren't facts. And I was quite taken aback by that because I think it's having been in this sort of space now of the coaching and the training, the resilient stuff we do, I've learned that. But I think actually, yes, five years ago, I would have just absolutely 100% believed that my thoughts are true and that they are facts. And I think in the medical world, we just believe that. And at no point has anyone told us anything differently. So all this stuff... 
I know it's starting to come through into the mainstream now, but it's still it's still quite foreign to all of us. I mean, I'm a strong believer that it's our it's our next evolutionary step. You know, it's it is to see through our own thinking. Mm. Um, it, it's uh, the the fact that there are more more and more more and more people like work in this way you know i've got i've got so many colleagues mm. who who work in work in this exact same way the key for me when it comes to um the the like a me meditative practice and a and a, and a and a meditative state is really seeing and i i use the word seeing um advisedly it 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 like really kind of like getting it in your bones seeing insightfully really that that meditative state that right brain consciousness experience that's our default i think that wasn't our first podcast didn't yeah. you call it default to happy <laughs> that's our default and and when when we really see that because we're we're all walking around thinking that the, the 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 left brain experience that the busy minded experience that the intellectual experience that the analytical experience that the computer mind experience that that's the default and every now and again we kind of luck out you know like we wake we get out of bed one day and we're having a good day and we we and again the mind because the mind doesn't really know what's going on in those situations it very naturally very understandably has to pin it on something it goes, oh, I know why you're feeling so good. It's because of ABC, which is the illusory activity of the mind. It's got to try and pin every single feeling that we have onto a circumstance. Mm. So that, you know, that, that's what it does. But once we see that our default is clarity, that our default is calm, that our, that our, that our default is, um, well, basically being in reality, reality being the present moment, I mean, everything that's not now categorically is imagination. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's as simple as that. Everything that's not now is imagination. And so we're built to, as human beings, as far as I can tell, we're built to thrive in reality. We're built to thrive in, in the present moment. And that's when all of the skills that we've learned and everything that we've get, you know, that we've put into our little left brain thought system, it all comes to bear in the present moment and then you've almost like got this extra layer of nonsense laid over the top of it a bit going bah, 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 bah. you know like the, the sort of dvd commentary track well this is what Giles is doing now and Giles mm. thinks this and 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 yeah Giles is making all the decisions here and i'm in charge and you know and it's it's what it, once you've seen through that the the need i suppose the need to try and deal with that through meditation or, or whatever you know meditation is one way of dealing with it as we've discussed before drinking alcohol is another brilliant way of dealing with it you know it's just it's not it's not quite as quite as wholesome and healthy and <laughs> acceptable as, as yeah. meditation but you know all of these habits we have are, are all essentially trying to bring mm. us back to the now trying to bring us back to who we really are yeah yeah. And I'm really interested in what you said about this being a, a next step of evolution, because um, I read Jill Bolte-Taylor's new book, which I think is called Whole Brain Thinking, which is fantastic. Mm. I'd recommend it to anyone. And she's talking about the fact that our left brain is an evolution already. So we, everybody's got an amygdala. I think, you know, lizards have an amygdala, but mm. what mammals then have is that sort of 
prefrontal cortex that where you sort of attach meaning to the threat that's coming at you. But then humans have developed mm. that even, even more sort of have the illusion of time. I get it. You'll push for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole, and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. Well, not the illusion mm. of time, knowing that we live in time, knowing that we are mm. finite. And so what our left amygdala is constantly trying to do is just to keep us safe, is to keep mm. us safe in time by driving us, by making sure we've got enough money and not just enough money, but loads and loads of money and make sure we're really, <laughs> really, really successful so that nothing goes wrong for us. And it keeps us alive for longer is our illusion. Yeah. But then... And, the, and then you have a TIA, Rachel. And then you go... <laughs> and, it, and then it's like, oh... Oh no, I'm not in control here. And it, <laughs> it's like, it's illusion. It's, it's illusion hands. that we are in control, really, of, of much in, in the world is just yeah. is yeah. just out. Yeah, is just bonkers, isn't it? But I think yeah. you know that really made sense to me that our left brain is constantly trying to keep us safe, but not but not happy. Safe does not necessarily mean happy. It means that we see threats all the time when there isn't one, and most of the worries I have mm. are stuff that quite frankly, aren't going to happen. And I love the quote by Mark Twain. I think it was, I'm an old man. I've known loads of troubles, but most of them <laughs> haven't happened. Yeah. And what I love about Jill Body Taylor's book is, well, I like it because it's pretty scientific. It talks about your left brain consisting of your, you know, your midbrain, your brain stem that keeps, you know, keeps you breathing. You've got your midbrain, your amygdala, your hippocampus, you've got your frontal cortex, and you've got that on both sides. So what I didn't realize was that you've also got a right amygdala. And the right amygdala is also a threat detection system. But whereas the left one is like, what's going to happen in the future? Uh, 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 and keeps you anxious. The right amygdala is just like, oh, am I cold? Is there a tiger attacking me? It's really, yeah. really present to present yeah. threats. Absolutely. If there's a tiger coming, you, you run yeah. away. But then it's just fine again. So your right amygdala is much more sensible than the left one, which just keeps us worried. So I think she described it as the right one is fear and the left one is anxiety because fear is right. like normal fear. It's like actual fear of, yes, that if I jump off that cliff, I'm going to die. <laughs> Whereas yeah. the left brain isn't. And so what she talks about in her book is being able to access not just your left amygdala and your left thinking bit, frontal cortex mm. but your right one as well and your right thinking bit and if we can actually ask each of those bits of our brain for advice about certain situations rather than just the left amygdala which is i think what most of us just do um then life would be a lot easier and she actually gets you to name i think name each brain and go well, you know what would what would yeah. hillary say about this or what would yeah. gerald say <clears throat> um i don't know have you have you named your, have you named your brain giles no, I, I did like the book. And I think if you're new to looking in this direction, as we say, then it's a great way in. And, and like you say, I think it's especially good for scientists because you've got all that, you know, she's a neuroanatomist and everything. And um, for me, I find it um, sort of unnecessarily complicated. Okay. 
just because what I want is to have as little on my mind as possible. The last thing I want to be doing is, you know, in a situation is is forcing forcing myself to think more about anything. <laughs> like, okay, so hang on a minute, is this is this left amygdala or right? And I think, you know, in 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 the book, she she's quite upfront about. Well, you know, there's a this isn't an exact science. It's a it's a it, there's there's a huge overlap. So. Um, there are many, many more metaphors mm. um, that, that that we can use, and I'm a, a as you know, I'm a simple man. <laughs> I like to, I just like to keep it as simple as possible. And it's like, well, we're either we're either in life, mm-hmm. you know, we're either fully present to what's going on, we're connected to life itself in that flow of life, letting it live us um connected to wisdom and the oneness of life and uh, and others you know the 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 bigger picture or we're being distracted from that by the left brain output by the computer mind and all of its all of its analysis because again with that right brain consciousness being the default with you know oneness is a fact the physicists will tell you that you can't not be a part of the oneness of life. All that can happen is that we can get distracted from that fact by the left brain and the separation and lose sight of, um, of reality of being a wave on the ocean. Can't be separate from the ocean. You're a wave on the ocean. So does, what would your tips be then for, just when you're in that moment, when you're overthinking stuff on your left brain to getting into your, into your right brain, what has helped? Um, I can tell you what doesn't help. And that's telling me that it's my thinking. <laughs> it's just your thinking. It's just your thinking that's causing you problems. Giles, just get over it, right? Yeah. Stop thinking. Yeah, that, re- that really doesn't work mm. because, you know, as, 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 as human beings, we, we, you know, we're, co- we're constantly fluctuating these sort of different levels of consciousness. You know, one minute, a problem looks like a really massive problem. And then, and then half an hour later, material circumstances haven't changed in the slightest. And yet I'm at a different level of consciousness, if you like, mm-hmm. and maybe I've had a insight or I've got a bit of perspective on the situation. And all of a sudden it's, it's, it's not a problem. So, I think in it, like in the moment in, you know, if you're, if, if you're struggling, then, um, you, 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 you do your best. You, you just do your best and understand that you can only ever do what makes sense to you. You, you know, we're only ever going to respond. We're, 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 we're run by this programming in the mind. And sometimes we see that. And so we, we don't really engage it all that much and we're more in the flow of life. And other times we don't don't really see that. Like me too, you know, I get het up by stuff and get anxious about stuff, and but I just just don't take any of it seriously because I know what it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in the moment you do your best, and you know you know that it's it's um, it's going to pass. I did a, a, a recent episode of Wellbeing Wednesdays. I'm just editing it at the moment. I did it last week on on depression and. There was a um, a wonderful. I shared like a podcast episode of somebody talking about their their experience of depression, kind of like before having seen this and then after having seen it. And they said, "On I know, I know that I will never experience depression like I did before." And the podcast host was like, "That that that's a bit of a bold claim, isn't it?" 
<laughs> and and he said, well, well, no, he says, because I've seen that my that my well-being is ever present, that even if I lose sight of it, mm. even if I lose sight of that again, if I lose mm. sight of that right brain experience, because I'm so deep in analysis, I know that it's not gone anywhere. I, I know I can't be separate from it. It's an illusion. And it's just the knowing, the like really having it in your bones that makes that makes all the difference. Anytime I'm upset about anything, it's like, oh, I'm upset about something right now. Okay. And then I know that in 10 minutes time, I won't be upset about something. And that's fine too. <laughs> it's knowing that, you know, there's, 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 there's nothing about our experience to be feared. Like my greatest mentor, the, the Scottish mystic, Sidney Banks, his most, his most famous quote that gets trotted out is like, if, if, if the only thing we learned was not to be afraid of our experience, that alone would change the world. It's interesting. I, Unlike you, I do find I get very tied up in my left brain. And even if I say to myself, you're just thinking, you're just thinking, it's all fine. I still can find that sort of knot in my stomach and that knot in my chest, knowing that there's something going on. And I've even sometimes, you know, woken up, felt that knot in my chest, being completely relaxed. I thought, oh, why is that knot in there? And you then you then sieve through your thoughts, thinking, well, what is it? What is that magic about? Yeah, off about? it goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, it, and, it, and it is hard. And I think, first of all, just, just being aware of the fact it is your thinking that's doing it. But I think that is probably where some of these techniques, like just grounding yourself, you know, putting your feet on the ground, getting into your yeah. body, a few grounded breaths. I talk a lot about pressing the pause button, just, you know, all those things, getting out, I think getting out to nature is very good, isn't it? Because it just yeah. gets perspective on stuff. And you're like, okay, no, this is nature. This is amazing. I'm just this tiny little speck down here. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are, there are all these things along with the meditative practices as well for me like the, the 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 really helpful thing to see is that in any moment that comes along and i said it already is that we're gonna we're gonna do what makes sense mm -hmm. and it's going to be based on 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 our level of consciousness in that moment okay so if we're feeling het up and we really are in a in a in a very low mood and we're not seeing things clearly then our behavior will match that wisdom will speak to us wisdom will do its absolute best and if that includes reaching for the bottle then that's what we're going to do and you know that that's just the way it is from 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 where we are at that at that very moment um or it might it might say you know well you know let's go out for a walk or something or it might say you might just have this urge to put on a piece of music or something i mean I, you know I, I love cooking and stuff you know i'll I've had situations before when I've been really, really up in my head about something and just slowed down enough to n not start cooking as a, as a way of fixing it. But all of a sudden I found myself, it's almost like if you can let intuition guide you, if you can really, you know, if you, if the thought occurs to you, well, I should maybe, I, I feel like listening to a particular song, put the bloody song on, you know, <laughs> Yeah. If the thought occurs to you, oh, do you know what? I haven't, I haven't cooked a, I haven't, you know, cooked a curry for ages. I, I might nip off down the supermarket. Get down the supermarket and do it. You know, that's called listening to your intuition, mm -hmm. because wisdom's always speaking to us in in, in any moment. We're we're always trying to get back. We, you know, the, this as far as I can tell, the system is built to bring us back into balance all the time. We don't have to do anything. We, we just have to listen 
Yeah. So, Charles, I've got a question I was going to ask you. Well, you mm. know, where does this leave our left brain? Because, of course, the left brain is really important because we need people that are going to make vaccines, for example. So, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. And then I thought, well, maybe that's a bit of a stupid question because maybe it isn't all the left brain which comes up with the ideas. And then I started thinking, well, where does that fit with creativity and stuff? So, and then, then I started thinking, well, I know I have my best ideas and my best thinking when I am relaxed and in my right brain as well. So yeah. that, that's the question. So creativity, problem solving, doing this stuff, is that the left brain or the right brain? Or is it actually the, when the two work in harmony together? What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, one, one of my other, one of, one of my favourite authors, Richard Carlson, the author of um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, um, he, he talks about putting problems on the back burner. We, we've been taught to use our analytical mind for problem solving, but it doesn't really work like that because as you've <laughs> correctly identified, and I would invite everybody listening to this podcast not to believe a word that either me or Rachel are saying here and look to your own experience because that's the only way that change is going to happen. This isn't something that you take on as a belief. It's not like, oh, well, they said that I should do this and that and the other. It doesn't work like that at all. It's it's looking to your own experience and saying, oh, yeah, I, yeah, no, I do get my best ideas when I'm in the shower, out walking the dog, just as I'm nodding off or just as I'm waking up, you know, if you ask, in fact, I do when I run my workshops, it's one of the first questions I ask people is when do you get your best ideas? And it, it, it's a, it's a very small pool of answers that come back every single time. And I'm like, well, guys, what do you make of that? You know, we could spend the rest of the six week course just literally talking about that because, because that's it, it you know, life itself delivers the answers to everything and that whole left brain personal thinking thing again it's just it's just it's almost like a vestigial digit or something these days i think it's like again which is why i think it's gonna it's 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 the way that we're headed as a species if we're going to survive as a species this is the next mm. step that we that we need to uh, we need to take yes it's interesting i'm thinking there's probably not a single listener that will say I get my best ideas when I'm really hurried and time pressured and rushing to get yeah, through yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. But I guess what you, you need to be able to access your right brain for the creativity and the problem solving. And then the left brain helps you then put that into action. Doesn't it? it it's the emissary. Yeah. If you can see it as this, just like, it's almost like having, I mean, you mentioned a personal assistant and I'm sure I've said before, it's like having Siri in your head or Alexa in your head or something. You know, it's like, if you can see it for what it is, which is just a computer that you can that you can that you can use but like don't go looking for good feelings in it and don't go looking for your well-being in it because it ain't there it's just not there you're looking in the wrong place what we're all searching for that 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 sense of self and that sense of peace of mind there's literally only one place that you're ever going to find that and that's now that's now it, it, everything else is imagination. Everything else is the left brain saying, oh, well, I'll be happy when. Mm. It's a story. Mm. That's so true. This is why I guess I found that book, Jill Bortitella's book, quite helpful because when I am in my left brain, if it just stops me and go, right, let me just ask my right amygdala and my right 
brain, what they would do here. It's like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, no, that, that, that would help. So sometimes if you want to think your way out of it, it will help you just be aware of what you need to do. And then you can go, right, okay. But in order to ask that, I probably need to stop being so stressed here and just relax a bit and actually put it on the back burner so that my right brain gets a chance to to work. Uh, we did a podcast quite recently with, with John C. Parkin. Um, I think it's called How to Be Ridiculously Relaxed. And his theory is that man can achieve greatness if one is ridiculously relaxed, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so true, but we do not prioritise being relaxed. Maybe we just need to tell everyone, if you're ridiculously relaxed, you'll be really productive and stuff, and then that will encourage people to do it, right? <laughs> but that's true, though, isn't it? Is it? So that's true. true. It is. that, it's true. It, it's like I'm, I know for a fact I'm at my most productive mm. when I'm relaxed and carefree, and I get to the end of the day and I'm like, whoa, there's no way I thought I'd have got all that stuff done. Mm. And it's when I'm in the story about what it all means and how bloody awful it's going to be and... <laughs> Yeah. what's going to happen as a result and all that story that's when i find myself you know grinding my gears spinning my wheels mm. i'm just thinking of lots of people listening to this podcast would say but giles you talk about a story but it is true it is true that we don't have enough doctors and i've got a massive complaint against me and i haven't got enough time to see all these patients and we can't recruit and i can't do this so all those stories are true and these stresses are really real Hmm. we're not denying circumstances here but what we're looking at is our experience of those circumstances and just like we um are so often most productive when we're in our default state of calm clear clear-headedness when it comes to uh, circumstances that that we have to deal with um, it's no coincidence that we're all also at our best <laughs> in those circumstances when we're calm and, and clear headed and seeing that good ideas and solutions to problems, including what to do about a difficult work situation or, you know, a relationship with a colleague or something when when we see that the solutions to those problems also come from from that same place they don't come from analysis mm -hmm. if i mean again i'd invite listeners to examine their own experience if you've got something that's been bothering you for a while if you were going to figure it out with your left brain wouldn't you have done it by now <laughs> wouldn't you have done it by now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, you know, in all those circumstances, you know, worrying about a complaint, worrying about not being able to recruit too many people, often what you can say is, well, I'm okay now. Things are okay now. Always. I'm okay now. Might not be in future because there's this big thing coming up. But then you never know what's going to happen in the future, right? I think that's my, my um, you're not a frog, first rule of worrying is the things that you worry about pretty much don't happen. And it's the things that you don't worry about. That's the shit that happens to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so like TIAs. Yeah, like TIAs, like <laughs> things that come completely left of you would never have predicted were going to happen. That This life will be full of troubles, and it is full of troubles. And worrying about them really doesn't make them go away or worse. In fact, it just makes the rest of your life really crappy as well, right? And, and I mean, when you see that the, the only thing, the only thing that we have 
that can even label something as a trouble. Mm -hmm. It's the left brain okay. again. <laughs> <laughs> there are no troubles. That's when you get pretty deep. And it's like, mm. oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, this, this thing that I'm seeing as a problem, it, it, it's... It, it's it's again literally the only tool that we have at our disposal that can even separate an object out and give it a label of a of a problem. And again, look to your own experience. I'm sure every listener has been through a situation in their life when um, when they first learned about it, they were like, "Oh my god, this is the most terrible thing that could possibly happen to me." And then not long after, or maybe a long time after, I don't know that same situation looks completely different. I mean, when I, when I left surgery all those years ago, the situation that I found myself in was awful. You know, I, I just, it, it was, it was terrible. And, and, you know, I was like for ages, I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And it really wasn't long after that I was like, well, if that thing hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here now doing what I'm doing. Mm. I, I'd never have, I'd have stayed there being unhappy as opposed to making a change. Change doesn't tend to occur when everything's like, well, it's okay. I suppose, you know, yeah. change tends to occur when stuff gets, stuff gets really bad. And, and when you, when you look back and you've got some perspective, it's like, oh, well, that thing kind of had to happen for me in, in in order for me to change, and that's when you start to see these what what you could label as challenges as gifts. Mm. They're gifts for growth. Yeah, I completely agree. In fact, um, I think on my bookshelf behind me, there's a book called by Daniel Pink called "The Power of Regrets," um, his latest one, and uh, he does talk about the fact that I think they've done some studies. But if you said to people looking back at your life, you know, those awful, awful things that happen. If you could take a scalpel and literally cut that, that event out of your life, hmm. but everything else that's related to that event in your life also gets cut out, yeah. would you do it? Not many people would. There will be some, and I just want to honour hmm. people that have had horrible, horrible things happen hmm. to them and just, you know, just acknowledge that there are things that are never, ever good and you wouldn't wish on on anybody but there are most things in life actually some good can come out of them and they lead you onto a different path and they lead you onto a, a different trail and you you learn and this is the this is the thing I have about resilience this is my beef with resilience right <laughs> it's that <laughs> bad bad stuff she said in inverted comments failure going through tough times is just the best way to build resilience and it's the best way to grow and develop. Now, if I was God or whoever designed this or made us or whatever, that's not how I would have designed it. That's no. crappy. I want nice things to happen and, and, uh, make me a better person, but it's not often that that, that happens. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's all an invitation to go on this exploration. It's all an invitation to wake up to our true nature. Some of the worst things that happen to people, it, it helps them to see, oh, uh, underneath all of that terrible experience that I've been having, and if we're, again, sticking with our analogy of left brain, right brain, underneath all of that left brain experience of, of you know, the an analysis of what's happened in the past, um, there's, there's, there's an absolutely unshakable 
okayness. Mm. Wow. Well, Giles, on that note, I think we probably need to wrap it up. This has become very philosophical, hasn't it? Again, (laughs) (laughs) you can be our resident philosopher. (laughs) <laughs> the frog the frog philosophy be like a wise toad sitting on your lily pad <laughs> oh, we always like to finish with the top three tips what would your top three oh, tips be for being more right brain it would be to learn more about it yeah. it's you know become more aware of how your brain actually works um it would be to um be more aware of what the left brain is and that you don't have to just because a thought enters into your head it doesn't make it true and you don't have to believe it that's two isn't it push me for a third to know that you're always psychologically safe in the present moment to really know that yeah thank you and i think for me, what's helped me is just that pause button when I find myself, pause, yeah. ground. Um, and that just thought, I'm okay now. <laughs> I'm okay yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. And then trust that intuition because you're right. The right brain wisdom doesn't come through thoughts. It comes through that feeling, that <laughs> intuition, that yeah. gut feeling of, yeah. of stuff. So trust intuition more. And I'm learning. Yeah learning to do that although sometimes i have difficulty distinguishing the deep intuition with that fear intuition of quick you got to do it and then you're like that's my gut instinct but it's not really you know you probably can tell the difference between fear and intuition if you if you find yourself if you find yourself questioning it or analyzing it it's not it ah okay that's <laughs> it's good okay just, it's like you're either doing it or you're thinking about if it if i'm questioning it yeah because i think there is that deep knowing that deep knowing that you have which, you know, I think that's been described so many times by all sorts of religious traditions, by non-religious mm. traditions, but we just don't trust that that deep knowing. So really important. Um, well, that's been really helpful, Giles. Um, if people want to find out more about you, about your work, where can they find out? Um, my, my website, um, there's actually a, a little video that they can watch. If you go to gilespcroft.com slash free, there's a, a little video about the two brain facts that change everything. And, um, there was an episode of wellbeing Wednesdays, uh, recently, if you're interested in the topic of, uh, listening to intuition, uh, that's available on my, on my website, along with a host of other topics wellbeing wednesdays have been going for three years now um, and those can all be found over at my website at gilespcroft.com slash wellbeing brilliant just thank you so much so we'll get you back again pretty soon if that's oh, okay so still gunning, gunning for the record yeah, yeah yeah no we'll get we'll get you to sort of, oh, it's important to my left brain <laughs> yeah it's the most the it's most like... It's what's going to make me happy, Rachel. It will Nothing make you happy. Nothing else will suffice. And we, we might even have an award for you. Like, I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, that's that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I have to think about what that As long will... as it's not a bottle of wine. No, it'll be a jar of frog spawn or something. I don't know. Oh, great. I'm thinking about doing a little bit of merch. You are not frog merch, so people can have cups on their desk. If you want some merch, let me know. We'll, we'll, get, we'll do it. We'll make it done. Have some, have some, have some frog-branded coffee, please. Yeah. <laughs> frog coffee. <laughs> Maybe a frog coffee mug. How would that be? yeah all right there we are right Charles we're gonna go thanks so much for being here and we'll speak soon take care thanks Rachel bye bye thanks for listening don't forget we provide a self-coaching CPD workbook for every episode 
You can sign up for it via the link in the show notes. And if this episode was helpful, then please share it with a friend. Get in touch with any comments or suggestions at hello at youarenotafrog.com. I love to hear from you. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it and leave a review wherever you're listening. It really helps. Bye for now.